tonight. Let's welcome him with a good Bendale welcome. Tell him, come preach to us, Brother Sanford. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise in the house. If you're excited about heaven, why don't you give him some praise? If you know there's a day coming when we're going home. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in the house. You start talking about heaven. And all of our temporal problems just kind of start to disappear because we know they're just that, temporal. They're not forever. Amen. And I'm thankful for the hope that we have in heaven. In fact, the Bible says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But the Bible then goes on to say, but now Christ is risen from the dead because we have hope beyond this life, Brother Troy. In fact, Paul said, I want you to comfort one another with those words. We ought to remind each other from time to time, hey, this is not our home. We're just pilgrims passing through. Just like Abraham was a stranger, a pilgrim in a strange land, the Bible says. He was just passing through. That's what we are. Amen. And I'm thankful for the hope of heaven that we have because when we get over there, there's no more crying and there's no more tears and there's no more sorrows and John said there's no more sea. All of our problems down here will be a distant memory. Amen. And sometimes we just, it would do us all well to remind ourselves we're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. <clears throat> and I, I feel the Holy Ghost in the house this evening. And uh, it's an honor to be back in the house of the Lord with you tonight. And give honor to Brother and Sister Moore and this great family and this great church family as well, and uh, I, uh, I know it's a Monday night, and probably you, most of you have worked, and you're tired, but I'm a firm believer that God honors faithfulness, and he honors faithfulness to his house, and this just may be the night that God meets your need, because you've made the sacrifice to get off the couch, and put your clothes on, and make the drive to church. This just may be the night that God answers some of your prayers or he meets some of your needs. I mean, if heaven is reserved for the good and faithful servant, if that's the ultimate reward for being faithful, I believe God can bring a little bit of heaven down here on a Monday night for being faithful to his house. Amen. And I feel the gift of faith in the house this evening. So I'm going to go to Mark chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 1 and verse 21, and I'll just tell you, I don't have to finish the sermon. I mean, I can, but I don't have to finish it because if somebody's faith will mix with the Word of God, because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by His Word, amen, and I just want the Holy Ghost to do whatever the Holy Ghost wants to do in this room. So I'm going to do my best to continue to create an atmosphere. So Mark chapter 1 and verse 21, the Bible says, And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day, he, speaking of Jesus, entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, 
For he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Jesus goes into the synagogue. And there's a man with an unclean spirit who just at the presence of Jesus being in the house feels threatened enough. He feels threatened enough that he has to start the conversation because Jesus doesn't even acknowledge that he's there. But just by Jesus being in the house, that unclean spirit felt threatened. And he says, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And so for the next few moments tonight, I'm going to do my best to put together two words that you would probably never think would go together. And I'm going to attempt to preach about them tonight. I want to talk to you this evening about devil faith. That's about the result I figured I'd get. (laughs) But I'm going to do my best to show you in the next few moments, devils have faith. And there's no telling what's going to happen in this room if we can get a hold of some of that devil faith. So why don't we put our Bibles down and why don't we lift our hands and lift our voice one more time. And all over this house, why don't you continue to create an atmosphere for the Holy Ghost to move in. Oh, if you've got a need in the house, why don't you vocalize your need right now as your hands are lifted. Lord, I pray you'd heal everybody in this house. I pray every bit of pain and discomfort would leave everybody in this room before we go home. God, where there's confusion, I pray you would give clarity. Where there's questions, I pray you would give answers. In Jesus' name. And if you believe it, why don't you give the Lord another great hand clap of praise in the house. In Jesus' name. And you may be seated this evening. Thank you for standing. Faith. We begin to talk about the subject of faith and even begin to talk about people in the Bible who had faith. There are those, there are individuals who walk from Genesis to Revelation whose life was seemingly marked identified and known for the great faith they possessed. We could begin talking about Abraham this evening because it was this very individual. It was this man who had become later known as the father of faith or the father of the faithful. It is in the book of Romans chapter 4 that the Bible teaches us that it was Abraham who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body dead when he was a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. But he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, 
and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to perform. Abraham is a man whose life is marked and identified for the great faith he possessed. And that was the very faith that moved the heart of God. What's so powerful about the life of Abraham and even the life of Sarah is Abraham refused to allow his reality to rob him of the promise of God. The reality was, Abraham, you're 99 and Sarah's 90. Her womb is dead and you can't even produce a child. But your Bible says that Abraham considered it not. It never even was an issue with Abraham because he had the mindset that if God promised me a boy, God is able to give me that boy. He became oblivious to the obvious that he looked at every day. And because against hope, he believed in hope. Isaac was born. We could talk about the Roman officer of Matthew chapter 8 because it was this man who heard that it was Jesus himself who had entered into Capernaum. And the Bible says that this centurion came beseeching the Lord, saying that my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And the Lord responds by saying, I will come to your house and I will heal him. And we understand the centurion says, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant will be healed. And the Bible says that when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith in the land of Israel. And the powerful concept about that Roman centurion is he was a man under authority, Brother Troy. He looks at Jesus and says, I'm a man under authority. I know what it's like to open my mouth. And whatever I speak, it has to come to pass. He said, I tell people to go and they go. And I tell people to come and they come. I tell people to do and they do. He says, I understand the power of the spoken word. And I think you operate by that same authority. And he says, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come into my house. In other words, he's telling the Lord, your presence isn't needed. But if you'll just speak the word, my servant will be healed. This man has a revelation that you can speak a word on this side of town and the fulfillment will come on the other side of town. Maybe this centurion understood what the psalmist was trying to teach us when the Bible said he sent his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destruction. This Roman centurion is a man that is known for the great faith he possessed. But we can also talk about that Gentile lady because it is in Matthew chapter 15 that the Bible tells us that this is a woman who goes to the Lord and says, My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And he says, I am not come but for the lost sheep of Israel. It's not meat for me to give the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she says, Lord, everything that you've said is true, but even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus answered her and says, Oh woman, great is your faith. This is another individual, ladies and gentlemen, whose faith marked and identified the life that she lived. Everything was working against her, and yet she still believed for a miracle. We could talk about that little old lady with an issue of blood. 
We understand that she had had this issue for 12 years, had spent all that she had, but grew worse and not better. But she hears of a day when Jesus is passing by, and she came in behind the press and touched the hem of his garment. For she said, If I may but touch the hem of his clothes, I shall behold. And it's in that moment we understand that her faith matched the identity of that man. The faith of that woman was so great that she said, I don't have to grab your body if I can just grab a hold of the hem of your garment. Fact is, ladies and gentlemen, you're holding a Bible or you're sitting beside a Bible this evening that is brimful of people who are remembered for their great faith. In fact, the Bible has an entire chapter in the book of Hebrews devoted to this very thing. It has been called, Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. Men and women whose faith marked the very life that they lived. It is in that chapter 11 of Hebrews that we understand that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, uh, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, for by it, uh, for by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Uh, through faith, we understand uh, that the world's refrained uh, by the word of God uh, so that the things which are seen uh, are not made of those things which do appear. I'm going to preach about faith tonight, ladies and gentlemen. By faith it tells us Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By faith it was translated that he should not see death. By faith Noah prepared an ark for the saving of his house. By faith Abraham obeyed and went out, not knowing whither he went. For he looked for a city whose builder and maker is God. Through faith Sarah also herself received strength to consider by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come by faith Jacob blessed both the sons of Joseph it was by faith that Joseph made mention of the departing of the children of Israel it was by faith that Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter by faith the Israelites passed through the Red Sea it was by faith that the walls of Jericho fell down it was by faith that Rahab perished not with them that believed not. And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me, he said, to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and David and Samuel and the prophet who through faith subdued kingdoms, through faith wrought righteousness, through faith obtained the promises and stopped the mouths of the lions. Can I tell you that it was through faith that they quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of a sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valid in the fight, and they turned to flout the armies of the aliens, and it was through faith that women received their dead to life. It was because of this great element called faith. Aren't you thankful for faith tonight? Aren't you thankful for the possibilities? Aren't you thankful to know that the impossible can become possible when faith enters the building? I want to tell somebody right now, I don't care what you're facing. I don't care what you're dealing with. I don't care what life, the hand that life has dealt you. Let faith enter the equation. Let faith step in. Let faith take over and watch what God is able to do because that is the power of faith. Ah, but the reality is I haven't come tonight to preach about faith the way we usually preach about faith. 
I'm not coming to this Monday night service to preach about faith from the perspective of that Roman soldier or that Gentile lady. I'm not going to preach about faith tonight through the eyes of that lady with an issue of blood or even from the vantage point of those people of Hebrews 11. Can I tell everybody in this room that I am not here to preach about Abel, Enoch, Noah, or even Abraham faith. But I've come to this pulpit tonight to preach about devil faith. To understand my premise this evening, You've got to go back to the book of Mark chapter 1, our text that we read a few moments ago. But before we get to the dialogue between Jesus and that unclean spirit, I want to back up to verse number 12. When the Bible says after Jesus was baptized, the spirit that descended upon him like a dove is the same spirit that drove him in the wilderness. And we understand that it was at this moment when Jesus would spend 40 days in the wilderness and be tempted of the devil. During those 40 days, he was tempted by Satan. But the point that's often overlooked, Brother Moore, is that in Matthew's account of the story, Satan questions the identity of Jesus on two separate occasions. We always talk about being driven into the wilderness. We always talk about the 40 days in the wilderness. We always talk about the tempting of the wilderness. But the point that's often overshadowed and stays in the corners of this text is the fact that the devil himself questioned the identity of Jesus twice. Matthew chapter 4 verses 3 and 6. When the tempter came to Jesus, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And he said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He's going to give his angels charge concerning you. First of all, Matthew calls Satan the tempter. But Mark says Jesus was tempted of Satan. And it's imperative to know that the word tempter and tempted are words that are interchangeable. They mean the same thing. It literally means that Satan showed up to test and to prove Jesus. But it's directly after the tempter came that the Bible says that the devil begins to question the identity of Jesus. If thou be the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. Now this isn't in my sermon tonight, but I find it interesting that by Satan asking Jesus who he was proves that the Son was not pre-existent. A lot of people believe that the Son was there all the way back in the beginning. Genesis 1.26, I can't get distracted here, but Genesis 1.26, God says, let us make man in our image. And a lot of people think, well, he's talking to the son because the son was preexistent. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, here's my point. And I was having this conversation some time ago, uh, and the gentleman that I was talking to believed uh, that the son was preexistent. Uh, he believed that he was there with the father in creation. Uh, and I said, well, I've got a question to ask you. Uh, if Jesus was God the son, if he was there when God created the world, if he was there when Lucifer was kicked out of heaven, then Satan should remember him when he meets Jesus in the wilderness. But he doesn't know who he is. He said, if you are who you say you are, can I tell everybody in this room, he understood, we need to understand that Jesus is not God the Son. Jesus is the Son of God because the Son had to be born. But the fact is, when Jesus shows up in the wilderness and the devil begins to tempt him, he has no idea who he is because he asked him twice, if you are the Son of God, understand the devil. 
devil knows there's been a lot of talk about a coming Messiah. The devil knows there was a heavenly host of angels who declared his birth. The devil even remembers the prophecy given back in the Garden of Eden about a seed that would be born that would crush his head. And here it is. The devil's looking face to face with Jesus and he questions his identity twice. If thou be the Son of God. In other words, the devil was saying to Jesus, if you are who you say you are, if you really are God, manifest in the flesh. He asked the question twice because he did not know at that point. But now, go back to our text of Mark chapter 1 verse 23. Jesus goes into Capernaum, but you've got to understand the context of Mark chapter 1. Jesus goes into Capernaum directly after he leaves the tempting in the wilderness. Jesus leaves after those 40 days of being tempted. And the first place he goes is a city called Capernaum. And when Jesus walks into that city, he goes directly into the synagogue. And your Bible says that it was there in that synagogue. There's a man with an unclean spirit who begins to cry out. Just the presence of Jesus provokes the demons inside that man to start the conversation. Jesus doesn't look at him. Jesus doesn't acknowledge him. Jesus doesn't start the conversation but just by walking in that church service the devil feels prompted to cry aloud and say leave us alone what are we to do with thee thou Jesus of Nazareth art thou come to destroy us I know who you are you're the holy one of God that is amazing when you put the two stories in context because hang on to me now a few verses earlier in the wilderness the devil himself Satan is questioning the identity of Jesus if thou be the son of God but just a short time later Jesus goes into Capernaum stands in the synagogue and there's a bunch of unclean spirits crying out saying leave us alone what have we to do with thee or you've come to destroy us here it is I know who you are you're the Holy One of God. And I submit to this congregation that something has drastically happened since the tempting in the wilderness and Jesus walking into Capernaum. Understand Jesus came to tempt him or Satan came to tempt Jesus. He came to test him. He was testing the identity of Jesus and Jesus passes the test because now something's different. In the wilderness, he's asking him, if you are who you say you are. But now just a few days later, there's a bunch of unclean spirits crying out, saying, I know who you are. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you that Satan didn't know who he was in the wilderness, but now he knows who he is. Satan has received revelation. It was almost like the devil was saying, I know I questioned before. I know I wasn't sure before, but now I know you're the promised seed. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. You are God manifest in the flesh and Satan isn't the only one in the powers of darkness that gets the revelation because now there's a bunch of unclean spirits in the temple crying out with revelation I know who you are and the amazing thing is ladies and gentlemen from that day forward from that day of Jesus standing in the synagogue and those demons crying out saying I know who you are from that day going forward anytime Jesus ever came across somebody with an unclean spirit Devils would always cry out and say, I know who you are. Mark chapter 3 tells us that there were unclean spirits. 
that when they saw him, they fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. Luke chapter 4 says that there were devils that came out of many crying out, saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. That is a powerful statement, Brother Moore. Because the Bible says there were devils who came out of those people and they cried out and they said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. You want to know why that's a powerful statement? It's the same statement Peter makes about Jesus in Matthew chapter 16. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're one of the prophets. But whom do you say that I am? And Peter throws up his hand with revelation. And he says, they may not know who you are, but I know who you are. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we always applaud Peter for his revelation. And rightfully so. But I submit to you that before Peter got the revelation, there were a bunch of unclean devils in Luke chapter 4 who had the same revelation before Peter got it. Look at it now. The unclean spirits say thou art the Christ the son of God Peter says thou art the Christ the son of the living God ladies and gentlemen can I tell you thank God for Peter's revelation but hell had that revelation before Peter ever got it those unclean spirits knew that the man they were looking at was the Christ he's the anointed one he's the Messiah they knew that that man was more than a man. They knew that that man was more than a carpenter. In that moment, they looked at him with revelation and said, I know who you are. I'm preaching tonight about devil faith because devils always acknowledged the revelation that they had about Jesus. Devils never struggled with the idea of who Jesus was. But I want you to notice that the unclean spirit in Mark chapter 1 calls Jesus the Holy One of God. You want to talk about another powerful statement. That statement, the Holy One of God, is not just some cool statement the devil says in a moment of inspiration. It's a call back to the Old Testament, which proves Satan and the devils know as much Bible or more Bible than we do. <laughs> because when the devil showed up in the wilderness... Cast yourself down because it's written. He knows the Bible, but he'll quote that Bible out of context. That's why it's important for we to know precept upon precept and line upon line. In fact, the New Testament talks about doctrines of devils that would come and twist the Scripture. They're quoting you Bible, but they're quoting it out of context. And that's exactly what the devil done when he said, it is written that if you cast yourself down, those angels are going to pick you up. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you that when the devil, when those unclean spirits called Jesus the Holy One of God, it was something that was referring back to the Old Testament because 32 times in the Old Testament, God is referred to as the Holy One of Israel. In Psalm 71, the psalmist says, I will praise you with the psaltery, even thy truth, O God. Unto thee I will sing with the harp, O thou Holy One of Israel, the prophet 
Isaiah says, cry aloud and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Isaiah comes back a little bit later and says, as for our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts is his name, the Holy One of Israel. Can I tell you that in the Old Testament, God is called the Holy One of Israel. And in the New Testament, Jesus is called the Holy One of God. You want to know why that's powerful? The language is interchangeable because the Holy One of Israel is the same thing as the Holy One of God. In the Old Testament, they said, you're the Holy One of Israel. But in the New Testament, there's a bunch of devils crying out saying that the same one they prophesied about then is the same one that stands before me today. The devils cried out because they knew. They believed that the God of heaven and earth is standing before me in flesh. I'm preaching about devil faith because of verses like James 2.19. When James says, thou believest that there is one God, you're doing pretty good. But the devils also believe and they tremble. This is another sermon for another day, but that Bible says the devils also believe and they tremble, but just because he believes doesn't mean he's going to be saved. It takes more than believing. I, I got to get back on the sermon. Bible says that he believes in one God and he trembles. We can call the devil a lot of things. We can call him a liar. Father of all lies, the prince and the power of the air. We can call him the tempter, and we can call him a serpent, and we can call him a dragon, and the list goes on. A roaring lion seeking those he may devour. But there's one thing you can't call the devil. You can't call him a fool. Because Psalm 14 says, The fool has said within his heart, there is no God. The devil is smart enough to know that I'm not going to be foolish enough to say there's no God. Satan himself acknowledges the fact that there's only one. And I know a lot of times we point a finger at the devil all the time, but I'm going to give the devil credit tonight. You heard me correctly. I'm going to give the devil credit because we always give him a hard time and we always blame everything on him. But I'm going to give the devil credit because here's the reality. The devil believes in one God. And because he has a revelation of that one God, the Bible says he trembles. But the amazing thing about that word believe is it literally means to have faith in or to put trust within or to have an assurance. The devils believe in one God. They put their trust in that one God. They have assurance in that one God. God. And the Bible says they believe so much that they literally tremble and shudder with fear. Why do devils tremble at the revelation of one God? You remember the story of Legion? Mark chapter 5. The Bible says Jesus docks the boat and all of a sudden he steps on the shore. And it's there where Jesus encounters a man who was possessed with a legion of devils. Now, I've heard a lot of preaching about what a legion means and how many they are. I mean, I've heard thousands, I mean tens of thousands. But I read some time ago that the common school of thought is a legion of Roman soldiers was between three to 7,000 men. So, to be safe, this guy's got three to 7,000 devils. The fact is, I don't care how many devils he's got, one devil's one too many, if you ask me. One devil tormenting my family's one devil too many. One devil coming after my kids is one devil too many. 
I'm not going to wait till there's 10 and 20 and 30 of them. One devil, one unclean spirit is one devil too many. And a lot of times that's where we mess up because we're like, well, if it won't bother me, I won't bother it. And we can just coexist. And he's over there in his corner and he's not bothering me. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you, when an unclean spirit comes into your life or in your family or in your home, it's trespassing and it doesn't belong there. Devil starts slooping around my house. When one devil starts coming around my kids, it's time to do something about it. It's time for Daddy to go into prayer meeting because I'm not waiting until there's thousands of devils. One devil is one devil too many. But this guy, according to Mark, dwells in the tombs, breaks chains and fetters. No man can bind or tame him. He cries and cuts himself with stones. But here's the amazing thing. When Jesus steps out of the boat and on the shore, your Bible says when legion saw him from afar, Jesus doesn't acknowledge him. Jesus doesn't go to legion. When legion sees Jesus, he runs to Jesus and falls at his feet and begins to worship. But wait a minute, there's still thousands of devils in him. Wait a minute, one devil hasn't been cast into one pig. And yet here's a man possessed with thousands of devils and he's at the feet worshiping. He's at the feet praising. If he can do that, what's my excuse? If he can praise in the midst of that, I have no excuse. This man is possessed with thousands of devils and yet he still runs and worships. And in the midst of that worship service, the devil's getting nervous. Jesus ain't said a word to him. He has acknowledged the man or the devils. But in the midst of that worship service, the devils get nervous. And they push their way through that man's worship. And the devils begin to cry with a loud voice. They begin to scream. What have I to do with thee, Jesus? Thou son of the most high God. I adjure thee by God that you would torment me not. And then the couple verses later says that those devils besought the Lord that he would not send them away out of the country. The devils are saying, why are you here? I know who you are. Have you come to torment me before my time? And they said, Lord, I know what's about to happen. Just do me a favor. Let me stay in the country. Suffer me not to leave the region. Because when you begin to study and understand that the devils didn't mind to leave the man as long as they didn't have to leave the territory because they had locked that territory down. It was a spiritual stronghold. It was their principality. But when the landlord showed up, the devils got nervous. He may have had a stronghold in the region of Gadara, but the earth, the Bible says, is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He may have had that land locked down, but the landlord showed up and said, you're getting an eviction notice. It's time to go. You've got got to leave it's about to come together because the devils in Mark chapter 1 our text looks at Jesus and said if you come to destroy us and then in Mark chapter 5 the legion of devils plead with Jesus to torment us not simply because ladies and gentlemen devil faith is twofold not only do devils believe in who he is devils also believe anytime that one God shows up Something's about to happen. 
That's why when Jesus showed up, they said, I know who you are and torment me not. It was a case-closed scenario for those devils. They understood God showed up and God's about to do something. God showed up and God's about to kick me out. Can I tell somebody in this room, that's what's so powerful about devil faith. They believe in who he is, but they also believe in what he can do. And I'm telling somebody in this house, what would happen on a Monday night if we said, God... I know who you are. I've got a revelation of the mighty God in Christ, but I also know that there's nothing impossible to him that believes. I wish somebody in this house would throw your hands up, and if you need something from God, you ought to get a hold of this devil faith because something happens. (laughs) Jesus didn't acknowledge him. He said, please don't torment me. I know you're going to cast me out, but cast me into the pigs. There were no questions when God showed up. I know I'm out of here. And I tell everybody in this room that when you know who he is and you know what he can do, you then realize that when he shows up on a Monday night off schedule extra revival service uh, that something's about to happen for me and something's about to change for my family uh, and something's about to be altered in my life. Uh, I know without a shadow of a doubt uh, that when God shows up, uh, something I feel my help right now. Uh, I'm telling somebody in this room, uh, something supernatural can come to you right now. Uh, Something miraculous can move uh, in your role right now uh, because when he shows up, uh, my body can be healed. Uh, When he shows up, uh, I can get a miracle. Uh, When he shows up, he can give me direction. The devil's cried out, don't torment me because they're convinced when God shows up. Somebody right now ought to let your faith go. Somebody right now ought to get your faith out of the box. You ought to get your faith out of neutral and say, why not tonight? Why not for me? Why not for my family? My prayer this afternoon was not give me Abraham faith. My prayer this afternoon was not give us, my prayer was give me the faith of devils. Because devils are not like us. They don't rationalize. Devils don't analyze. Devils don't try to figure out how it's going to happen. Devils don't look at all the factors. Devils don't look at the X, Y, and Z. Devils just are convinced that when that one God shows up, I've lost all control and power. Devils are just convinced that when he shows up, there's no limitations to what he can do. And I'm in this house, on a, man, I feel my Holy Ghost right here. I'm in this house to tell some people, uh, you, ought, you ought to take a page uh, out of the devil's playbook right now. Uh, because here's the thing about devils. Uh, their faith is not inconsistent. Uh, and their faith is not shaken. Uh, and their faith never wavers. Uh, they just believe in who he is. Uh, and they believe in what he can do. Uh, because there are no ifs, ands, or buts. Uh, when it comes to devils, uh, they just tremble. Uh, they just shudder with fear. Uh, because they know uh, God. God is in that house. 
I'm telling you, every devil around this church right now, every devil in this country is nervous right now because they're wondering if they get a hold of what that preacher's talking about, if they get the faith we've already got, there's no telling what God's going to do in their life. There's no telling what God's going to do in that church. There's no telling what God is going to do in that county because when you believe in who he is and when you believe in what he can do, You know what's amazing? Brother Troy, Jesus never encountered a devil. And that devil doubted that Jesus could cast him out. Jesus didn't show up and the devil was like, give me your best shot. Jesus never showed up somewhere and those devils cried out and said, I'd like to see you try. Let me see what you got. No. Jesus just stepped in the building and they're like, why are you here? He just walks in the room. They're like, there he is again. Why are you here to torment me? Because they're convinced. Anytime he makes his appearance, there is no telling what he's about to do. You see, devils have never struggled with doubt. Devils have never struggled with unbelief. But that's why he wants us to doubt. And that's why he wants us to struggle with unbelief. Do you know men like Moses, Gideon, John the Baptist all doubted. We've even got a guy named Thomas whose nickname is Doubting Thomas. That dude doubted so much he's got a nickname. He's not Thomas, he's Doubting Thomas. And you, you don't talk about having a lot of doubt when they're, it's not just Thomas, it's Doubting Thomas. It's almost like it's not Bartimaeus, it's blind Bartimaeus. Because his infirmity had become his identity. And I don't want to be identified in the spirit world as a doubter. I don't want to be identified in the spirit world as well. That's the guy that uh, he may believe today and he may not believe tomorrow. Can I tell you, devils have never doubted. And devils have never struggled with unbelief. That's why the book of James tells us, let every man ask in faith, nothing wavering or not doubting. For he that wavereth or he that doubteth is like the wave of a sea driven with winds and tossed. Can I tell you, when I doubt and when you doubt, it causes our faith to waver and fluctuate. Everybody in this room knows what it's like to doubt. Everybody in this room knows what it's like to struggle with our faith up one day and down the next. But I've come to provoke some people in this room to tell you, you ought to throw doubt out the building. You ought to throw unbelief out of the room and say, tonight is my night. Tonight is my family's night. I've been praying a long time. Why not God do it now? I've been believing a long time. Why not God do it now? I wish somebody would grab your wife or your husband right now and lift your hands up and say, God's going to do it for us. He's going to do it for our family. He's going to do it for our finances. Ah, the gift of faith's trying to get in this room right now. Ah, God, we've already heard it quoted. God's given every man the measure of faith. You've got enough faith right now for your miracle. You've got enough faith right now for your blessing. You hear me in the Holy Ghost, right? You've got enough faith right now for God to do exceeding and abundantly above all that you ask or think. You've just got to believe that he's able to do it.
Uh, just stay standing. The Holy Ghost wants this right now. Uh, I'm not giving you preacher rhetoric right now to get you excited. I'm telling you. There is an atmosphere right now where he can do anything that we have need of. Here's the thing about devil faith. Brother Moore, the devil's had more faith in Jesus than his own people did. Every time the devils would cry out and say, I know who you are, Jesus would say, hold your peace. Don't say a word. And the irony is, while devils are in a corner saying, I know who you are, Jews are in the same church service waiting for Messiah to come. And little did they know Messiah was walking right past them. There could be devils in this room right now. And they're like, boy. They're right there on the edge of getting their miracle. But in the same room, I could be in that same service wondering, I just don't know if God's going to do it. Because while devils had revelation, the Jews had no revelation. While the Jews were calling Jesus a carpenter, the devils were calling Jesus the Christ. While the Jews were calling him the son of Joseph, all they could see was his humanity. The devils are calling him the son of God. Jews are looking at him and calling him the brother of James. But the devils were looking at him calling him the holy one of God. The Jews had no idea. But the devils did. I don't want it to be said of me. That fallen angels, fallen devils have more faith in him than I do. That's why he attacks us with doubt. That's why he attacks us with unbelief. Well, it hasn't happened yet. That must mean God isn't hearing your prayers. You've heard sermons like this preached for years, and yet nothing's happened. He's just getting your hopes up because he understands. I've got to get them to doubt. I've got to try to get unbelief in their life. But I'm telling somebody in this room, hell is already convinced of his power. Hell's already convinced of his authority. The devil himself, Satan, is convinced. I know who he is. And I know what he's able to do. And I'm telling you, there's an atmosphere in this room right now where there could be testimonies that come out of this service in days and weeks and months to come. Not because of who was preaching, but because according to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith, Brother Moore said, if I could pour the Holy Ghost on you, I would. And I know that if he could give you the faith you need, he would. The Bible says, according to your faith. And I believe I'm looking at people right now. Your faith is high right now. Because you believe God's able to do it. I, I know we prayed during the worship service. But you know what? Jesus prayed for people more than once. Touch that blind man. Well, how's it look? well, I see him in his trees. Well, it's a little better. People's like, oh, Jesus is losing his touch. How many times do we leave church with an incomplete miracle? Because we get prayed for once and then we leave. But some, maybe Jesus says, well, I want to see if you'll come back. 
Jesus, I believe, was established in the principle that I'll pray for you, and if it, if, if it improves some, don't be satisfied. Because if I'm able to improve it, I'm able to finish it. Tell him to come back again. And Jesus laid his hands on him again. And his vision was completely restored. I know that we prayed earlier. We're going to pray again. Is this all right? We're going to pray again. If you need something from the Lord, I want you to step out of your pews and come. And I know it's going to be crowded, but I want you to come to this front and stand if you can. Whatever your need is, whether it's spiritual, emotional, financial. And I feel the Holy Ghost in the house. And I'm not going to try to hop this up. There's enough Holy Ghost in this room right now. We've preached his word. We're going to speak his name. He's going to do the rest. I said he's going to do the rest. Family problems, he can take care of it right now. Family situations, it's nothing for God. He can take care of it. I want us to lift our hands right now in faith. Lord, we know who you are. God, I'm thankful that we've got revelation of who you are. I'm thankful that everybody in this room has the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. God, I'm praying right now that we would go a little bit further. Come on, somebody ought to pray in faith right now, believing. We're not going to ask amiss. We're going to ask in faith right now. God, I speak to every pain in this room right now. God, you're the healer of every manner of sickness and disease. God, we're going to pray specific prayers right now. God, I pray against disease and pain and affliction right now. Because by your stripes we're already healed. God, I pray right now your blood would cover every situation. Come on, somebody ought to be praying in the Holy Ghost right now. God, I pray there'd be testimonies that would come from this service on this Monday night. In Jesus' name.
you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Praise the Lamb. Praise the Lamb. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, I love you, Jesus. What was different about the demons, the devil, and the Jews with Jesus Christ? They recognized him. They recognized who just stepped in. And you and I get to the place and we just, and we recognize and realize he just stepped in. And regardless of the facts and the odds and everything else, the dilemma just changed. Boom. Regardless of the reports, regardless of all the past whatevers, it just changed. And the key is to recognize who just showed up. I'll fix step out a little bit because I'm telling you, he's done an awesome job here tonight. Do you think that Jesus was the first one that devil had tempted confessing to be Christ? He wasn't. Read about it. Jesus Christ himself talked about other Christ coming before he had. Guess who tempted him? And the ever one failed. And the ever one came up short. But all of a sudden when the Son of God showed up and he tempted him, he did not fail. He had to recognize who he was. And even after tempting him, I tell you, Jesus didn't fail. And neither will he fail you and I when he shows up and you notice who showed up. He will not fail us. What an awesome job. The devil's faith. Praise God. Man, he has preached to us last night and tonight. He's filled us up. You're going to have to go back and listen to this a few times and get it anchored into your heart, anchored into your spirit. Why do you think the devil and the world and your flesh is working so hard to keep you distracted? He doesn't want you to recognize what did I tell you a few weeks ago that I want you to start doing? To recognize those little things that God's doing. Because when you start recognizing that and giving him knowledge and glory for it, it's going to increase. It's not going to decrease. It's going to increase. And those little things are going to start becoming big things. Man, God's working for Bendale. God's working for us. I give him the glory tonight. Amen. What a mighty God we serve in this house. And so, as you leave this place tonight, you leave with your eyes open, your ears open. I'm going to recognize. I don't know what you stepped up here for tonight. And I believe somebody got it tonight. But if you didn't, you start looking for it. Because I'm telling you, by the promise of his word, 
He said, I'd never leave you nor forsake you. So by the promise of his word, he's going to step in. Just wait for the moment, the season, and the time for him to step in. Because God's got the time. And God's got the season. Because it's all about glorifying the Father and not us. Let him do it. My, I'm telling you, God's been good to us in this house. Appreciate you. Appreciate you coming on a Monday night. Being so faithful to come and be a part of this. And uh, we tried to do this the last time with Brother Sanford, but it didn't work out, but it did this time. And I'm thankful. How many of you appreciate the Word of God tonight? Appreciate the men of God. Huh. I'm telling you, this is a generation. Let's give, let's give a man, men of God, let's give them the respect and let's lift them up and lift them up before God. I believe God's wanting to pull this five-fold ministry back into a place. Amen. And organizations or whatever i believe across the board i believe god wants this thing pull this thing together amen in this end time that we can see revival across the board everybody love you tonight appreciate you continue to pray for one another see you back here sunday morning god bless you